Here we are, the next episode of Motoring Millennials. Zach Rothenberger, Anthony Lucci here, bringing you in. It's on uh, today's episode, we're gonna be talking about working on older cars versus newer cars, and what we like to work on, what we prefer to do to our cars versus some things we uh, do not like to do. So how are we doing tonight, Lucci? Good, good, how are you doing, Zach? Good, hey, we're talking cars, we're drinking beer. Hanging out. Yeah. That's what car guys do. Yeah. And gals. That's right. Car, yeah. Preferably in a garage, but you know, yeah. hey, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, we're, we're talking our passion, so that's cool. So let's get into it. So, Lucci, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to work on an older car or a newer car? Some like, what are some nuances you like and you don't like about both? Yeah, I think I personally definitely like, uh, prefer working on an older vehicle than, than a newer vehicle. Um, I'm not trained in all the electronics and computers that are on board a lot of the cars today. So it makes it a little bit difficult for me to understand what's going on exactly. Obviously, I understand how the engine still operates, and um, but as far as all the software and the updates that they make um, every single year, I'm sure constantly making adjustments to the software to make these vehicles more fuel efficient and um, ultimately drive better down the road. Um, I don't, I'm not trained in that. So it's, it's a lot easier for me. I, I first started working on cars, like, oh geez, I don't know, when I was probably like 10 years old, but it was, you know, on very basic equipment, uh, nuts and bolts and mm-hmm. things that you just use a wrench to take apart, fix and put back together. Um, so yeah, it would be old cars for me. How about you, Zach? Yeah, I was gonna say I think the older cars were a lot more mechanical, whereas now there's a lot more you know programming, electronics, and just things that really changed over over the years. Um, I know we both had had the, like a great opportunity growing up, right? You work, you still work on. You yeah. know, I will still work on older cars, and you know me and my dad with the Nova, and then you and, and your dad with the with the Buicks, right, yeah. and the Grand Sports. So. And then we also have our, you know, our, our F bodies, the Trans Am, the Camaro, yep. and obviously like just daily drivers and stuff like that. So I think it's it's pretty cool that we were both pretty well versed from like working on both different different types of styles of car. Whereas some people our age might just be you know into the tuner world where it's more electronics and rotary engines and stuff like that. Which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different different style and different uh, type of upbringing. But yeah, I completely agree. I think. What I prefer about working on the older cars is there's a lot more space. I know when I worked on my Camaro, my it's 2000 Camaro, like I come out of there, out of the engine bay, and I'm like bloody. I'm busted <laughs> up. <laughs> like I have scars. Fighting for life. Yeah, just from like all the wire looms. And it's like, man, like do we really need all this crap? And it's just so much more compressed, it seems like, because of all these added accessories. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I mean... I did an engine swap in an 85 C10 in high school, and it was like you could sit in the engine bay while... Probably <laughs> multiple people sitting there drinking beers. Right. You could literally have a party in the engine bay, and yeah. it was perfectly normal, you know, and... It's uh, actually probably not a bad idea if you're getting an engine swapped in. I know, right? Sit in there with it and yeah, just have a party. Hang out, <laughs> exactly. Spend some quality time before you start beating on it. Yeah. It's great. Um, how do you think the design and just the overall quality and structure of the older cars were compared to today's world of cars. Yeah, I, I think it definitely depends on the manufacturer that you're looking at. Um, and But it all, in general, I think older cars, probably up until the, the early 70s, um, you know, maybe I think after 73, 70, 
maybe around 75, things started changing a little bit. Obviously, as far as like interior parts, everything started to go into plastic. Um, and then, of course, a lot of other parts in the car did as well. Um, and as they started introducing more safety features and, and uh, electronics on board the cars, um, I don't think they, of course, you know, they didn't have everything quite figured out right away. So I think the older cars, you're you know, from the mid-70s prior were built much better. I mean, I mean mm -hmm. we know multiple cars that are from the 70s and probably even ones that are older than that that have, you know, well over 100,000 miles on them and they still look like they rolled off the show on the floor. Oh, well, exactly. Like the Monte Carlo you and I just saw the other day. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did it have? Over 100,000 miles? And yeah, like 117. Like it was, yeah, it looked like it was brand new. And that just speaks miles to the quality of the, the metal, the materials, the manufacturing, just the attention to detail. Right. You know, they were mass producing those cars, but they were more handmade instead of having, you know, an assembly line full of um, electronics. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, when you, and I'm sure you probably, you probably would agree with this, when you're working on an old car and you, you take something apart that you've never touched before and of course you can refer to a service manual but then you take it apart and you're like oh okay i understand how this goes together if you're trying to take like an interior panel or even a panel under the engine compartment off of a new car they have all these stupid plastic clips mm -hmm. that always break yeah. and then you either have to buy a new panel or you have to buy new clips or you don't buy the clips, and that's what most people do. They don't put the clips back in, and you're like, there's always one that's hidden that you can't see. Yeah. I mean, it just it seems like you're fighting with the vehicle more than actually enjoying doing the work on it. At least that's you know what yeah. I always think. Yeah, and it's all majority of the you know the bolts and the, the nuts and bolts are all metric, and it's like it's harder to find those tools. You know? yeah. You're just, always searching for the ten millimeter socket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the other really cool thing that I think with older versus newer is like the older cars. It was more like you work on it and you figure it out, whereas yeah. the newer cars, you know, any Joe Schmo, in a sense, can have a car and look everything up on Google and, you know, know how to figure it out and stuff. So it speaks, speaks miles of how, you know, the older cars, uh, it was more maybe genuine is the word yeah. I'm looking for. But another interesting thing when you compare the two, the older and the newer is the tuning aspect, mm -hmm. I think. And that kind of goes to what you were talking about, the electronics versus more mechanical side of things. I, I know with an older car that was carbureted, you know, if, driving down the street and if you saw the blue or dark smoke coming out of the exhaust it's like all right you're a little fat let's lean the carburetor out a little bit whereas a newer car it's like oh i see that but shoot i don't have the thousands of dollars to buy the technology in a dyno to tune it right so it's like i gotta pay someone now to tune my car it's yeah. a lot more tuning both is difficult but it's like it's, it's a lot more accessible and on demand of the tuning when you can just do it yourself with a car. Yeah, and I think that's why probably a lot of cars nowadays, once they do develop a problem, especially luxury, high-end luxury cars, that someone's, it costs them a lot of money to bring to a dealership to fix and diagnose what's going on, they end up sitting. And people will abandon a $120,000 Mercedes and you can end up getting it for 10 grand. Mm. Um, because you know it needs, um, you know, something because the something with the ignition system failed, you know, and 
they're they're just not easy to diagnose. And like you said, you need to have the tools and the software to do it. Mm. And you, it's that stuff is not cheap. I guess the other thing, like you you know, if you have a problem with an older car on the road, you can easily and quickly diagnose what's wrong. I had a fuel pump die on my Bjorkta one time. I knew within five minutes what was wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very easy. I with a basic, you know, set of tools to figure out what was going on. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot more direct. Whereas yeah. now it's like, oh, was it sensor X Y Z or was it A B C sensor? Right. It's just <laughs> like there's 20 sensors that control one function or monitor or filter out. Yeah, you could be chasing chasing ghosts or codes actually for for a long time trying to fix it yourself. Oh yeah, just the wiring harnesses and all the different sensors and, and all that type of stuff. It's it's kind of like rocket science in a sense. It's funny, a friend of mine actually posted a video the other day. He, this this guy really does show you how to diagnose a problem properly. They're going through checking for, you know, if you have a ground here, if you have power here, and they, the car what wouldn't start and it, um, ended up being a cut wire. Mm. But people, before it got to this guy, they were just replacing parts continuously. Like that's not the way you fix something. But at the same time, most people don't know how to diagnose a problem properly when you have all these electronics involved. Yeah, yeah, and and another example is with with my Camaro, again, LS1 2000 Camaro. I won't name the name of the shop, but I was having a vacuum leak and basically a map sensor, manifold absolute pressure type uh, sensor issue. And I replaced the sensor, but because I replaced it, they were telling me that it was wiring in my wiring harness, which GM wiring harnesses are like indestructible, so it didn't really make sense. So I pulled the intake back off and it was, and I just swapped the sensor out and it was a faulty brand new sensor. So it's like some of these electronics you are buying that are supposed to be new and and you're supposed to depend on them. They don't, they're not always, they're hit or miss. And that goes to show you the quality. I mean, even when my brother had his 98 Firebird, Mm -hmm. I know that there were, I think, coil packs he was going through, like, all left and right. And it's the same thing. Like, he would put one on it, wouldn't fix the problem. And then he had to go through, like, three of them. Right. And that was the issue. Yeah. But it was the parts that were no good, even though they were brand new off the shelf. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of these manufacturer, a lot of these companies are manufacturing these products, you know, for in cheaper labor areas that are there yeah. outsourced and it's just it's a shame because then it affects us as a consumer where we're like you said you're going to buy a product three times and spend three times the amount of money to make sure it's right which is I, I think that's a good point too it's, it's I, I know i've learned over the years the best route you can go and of course you, you do run into these issues sometimes but if you buy the oem part mm-hmm. they should work the way that they're designed to and it should, should, should fix the issue um, and it's going to last longer than a cheap aftermarket part. You know, spend the money up front, get the right part for the vehicle, so you fix the problem. Don't have to kind of worry about the braking again soon. Mm-hmm. But you know, of course, parts are not cheap these days. No, they're not. And uh, just one last thing for me is, I feel like just, and we talked about this previously, whether it's on the podcast or off it, it's just the overall design, just like the. It's like a it's like a piece of art, like the, the older cars. It's like mm-hmm. it's just it's just beautiful the body lines, the structure, and then you talk about the equipment, like the material, obviously. Whereas newer cars is more like spaceship looking out of this world type stuff. Yeah. Just, 
it's more you appreciate the the time, the labor, the artwork, and the design of like an older car, in my opinion, too. Yeah, there was like almost like no boundaries, you know, up until I guess like the early seventies. I mean, bumpers, you know, before like there were big, you know, bumper mandates and stuff. I mean, I mean, you look at like some of the Ferraris like from the the late fifties and sixties. I mean, like there there's never gonna be. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's new cars and supercars and stuff that look. They look great and they look cool and very futuristic, but mm-hmm. like as far as like elegant and and just really, really, you know, just beautiful cars. I mean, that's why those cars go for millions of dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. And I think just the re- the removal of a lot of like the chrome and the brightness yeah. from the older cars to today, I think that's a huge part of why we see you know things looking so more futuristic and not as I guess classic of a look to them. But so going off of what, you know, we we prefer working on older versus newer cars, I think it's been pretty unanimous that we prefer to work on older cars. You yeah. know, they're both just as satisfying, but newer, older cars seem to be, you know, have the, the key to our hearts, I would say. Um, so going off of that, just in general, what do you like, like what do you prefer to do when you're working on your car? Are there things that you really enjoy doing besides obviously just being with your car in general versus certain things that you kind of, you know it's time to do it, and you, right. you really dread it. Yeah, I think for me personally, I think performance upgrades that, um, I mean, I think you also have to have the right mindset. If you're you're going to be doing a big project where you're tearing, tearing a lot of the car and the engine apart, you got don't rush it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and be prepared to take your time and do it right, make sure everything's super clean. Um, but always, of course, um, well, here on Motor and Millennials, we support any kind of performance upgrades. I always want to make more power. Yeah, right. That's right. You got more power and more rumble in the seat. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that and also visual enhancements. Um, always. Did. I, I'm all. I don't know if it's. I think it stems back to me being a little kid. I always had a sticker collection. Mm-hmm. So I love like decals. I always love the old, old cars from the. Uh, I guess fifties, sixties, and seventies. You know the the. Um, NHRA cars that had all the different sponsor stickers on the mm-hmm. side. Now, I don't have a car like that, but I always thought that stuff was cool. There was actually a period of time where I couldn't afford to buy any car parts, so I just started collecting like old vintage stickers. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> for, for cars. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, like stuff like that, like I guess, you know, having like, it, they're, you know, the saying, the devil's in the details. Like, if you have like a, you know, a graphic that came on the car from the factory and it's missing. I, I think that's always nice to add that one. Mm. It's not hard to do. You just want to take your time to write and it's very rewarding. You see it all the time. And same, another thing you see all the time is, uh, you know, wheel and tire upgrades that changes the look of a car dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can, you know, just change the wheels or just change the tires or change both. What about for you though? Well, I would say with those additions, you make the car your car and not just like one that blends into the crowd. You kind of make it your type of car. Yep. Um, so for me, it's similar stuff with the with the engine. You know, doing performance upgrades. You know, it's always it's always nice. You know, adding more power, right? Because we all want to go fast, like Ricky Bobby. So, <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. That to me, that's very rewarding because you can actually like feel what you did with your hands to make to make the car faster. Just right. It is more, I guess, impressive, you know, to yourself, just a pride, a pride thing, and just and to your friends, obviously. And you know, when you take to the track, it's like more, wow, I did this, and I picked up a second, or yep. or things like that. 
Um, and then going off of what you were talking about with the performance, or not the performance, the visual upgrades, uh, I, I just love detailing my car. I mean, some people probably think I have extreme OCD, you know, with my Camaro, for example, like no one's ever going to be sitting in the back seat because <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's mint and I don't want people stepping on anything back there. Um, again, when, you, when you put any shopping bags back there. With car parks. Yeah. Oh, that, I don't do that. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> but not from the grocery store. Not from the grocery store. No, no way. You don't want any eggs or milk. <laughs> no, no, it would spoil it probably. <laughs> I get stuck cruising forever. So, um, But one other thing I really like, which some people might find is interesting, is I, I enjoy wiring. Um, it's very tedious, obviously, and very time-consuming. But mm-hmm. for me, it's like, it's like a challenge because it's like, all right, where can I put these wires where no one's going to ever see it and realize that there's this there? And it's like... Right. It's like you're trying to make something hidden and it really shows like that artwork type of uh in my opinion, that type of like art that we talked about yeah, when you're that building your car. Details. It's, right. Yeah, I mean that and, and that shows on your on your cars for sure. I mean you can see that you put the time in and it shows when you open the engine bay, you're like, Wow, this is clean. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like a difference between running your spark plugs, which there's nothing wrong with it. We're having spark plugs over the valve uh, valve covers or if you sneak them underneath, yeah. which either way it looks fine, but it's just like that O C D factor we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um it's a mixture of, of that and yeah, I just think like you said, devils and details is the best way to put it. But speaking of the devil, which we don't like, <laughs> what else what what about what do we kind of dread doing? What do you dread to do when it's time to upgrade something where you know it needs to get looked at? I know one for me is uh, just like tracking down oil leaks. Oh. Um, when the worst one, I have I have one on my, my my one Buick on the front cover, and it only leaks when I drive the car. I know this sounds crazy. Mm. I've literally cleaned that, wiped the engine down, so it's spotless. And then if it will not leak. If I've had my head under there, mm. you know, with the fan going, you know, and there's plenty of clearance, but, yeah. and it is, does not leak oil. But when I drive the car, I go down the road, there's oil coming from somewhere and it's spraying, the, the fan is kicking it back along <laughs> under, under the frame wrap. So it's, the oil is protecting the frame, but I don't want the oil to leak. Right. So, and, yeah, I cannot find it. I don't know if it's the oil pan or if it's, um, I have a, a small hairline crack in the aluminum front cover. So for that, that can kind of be a little bit annoying, mm-hmm. um, you know, but of course, like anything, it can be fixed. You just have mm-hmm. to take the time to do it. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things. How about you? What, what, would, what really grinds your gears? <laughs> oh, yeah. So for me, it's like whenever I and bleeding brakes and, and upgrading you know a brake system like with the the brake lines and bending them and all that you know some people might say well zach you just said you went wiring and hiding lines and, and doing that <laughs> well brake lines are totally different because for me it's like no matter how often you're pumping that pedal to bleed it it's like it's never good enough there's always some type of issue yeah. some type of leak had too many horror stories being in the garage where i'm pumping a brake and my calf is like spazzing <laughs> from pumping so much and then you know it's uh it's just a lot of back and forth back and forth and it's uh it's also not like a sexy job. It's like no, yeah, it's not fun at all. Yeah, it's like oh, my brakes work well. What's up? Like yeah. it's better. It's more rewarding to get. <laughs> my car makes five hundred horsepower. What's up? You know. The funny thing is, is like you have to stop though. Yeah. You, you have to stop, and I absolutely dread brake lines themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they are. I have gotten so many actual fights, like 
if if you could fight a brake line, a fist fight, <laughs> like I have gotten so aggravated that you know you just take the line, you're like, all right, I'm gonna just bend it this way, and then it's like then you kink it, and then you're like, all right, why well, shouldn't have done that? But <laughs> oh, I know. But I mean, I've I've had you know, I guess that's one thing that it, it's frustrating that it's the manufacturer, like just like we were saying, you have to stop a vehicle. You would think it would be mandatory for manufacturers to use like stainless steel brake lines, right? Mm. Yeah, you would. But I don't know any car that has, I mean, there might be some out there that has stainless steel brake lines from the factory. They're all steel. Yeah. And they all eventually, if you're driving the car a lot and it's not kept in a garage mm-hmm. its entire life, they're gonna rot out. Specifically, brake fluid holds moisture. Right. So they rot from the inside out a lot of the time too. Um, I mean, what have you? What what do you usually use when you upgrade? Like, if you do brake lines in a car, do you use steel lines, like the steel coated lines? Yeah, you use the steel coated yeah. lines. I mean, it's a good point because brakes, obviously, like that's the number one. I would say safety item before yeah. wearing your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually been rear-ended before because someone's brake line literally just blew, like just blew. It, I guess it corroded, whatever. So it's like to that level of importance. It's just. From a, do I want to go do it every weekend? Uh, no, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's a necessity, 100%. You need that more than you do 500 horsepower, I guess yeah. I would say. But, um, and it, you, you hope, you, you honestly hope that when the car goes in for safe inspection, that's the main thing that they look at. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah. You hope because uh, it, it's pretty critical. You, like you said, I mean, you, you don't want to be in a bad accident because someone else's brake lines fail. Um, but they, yeah, I've even, I've used stainless steel lines and have not had much success with them. They're very hard to flare, mm-hmm. um, but there's supposed to be this, this new, um, type of brake line, which is, uh, a copper and nickel mm-hmm. brake line. Um, and it's supposed to be very easy to form. And, um, it also is corrosion uh, resistant. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna try that on my next car, yeah. and uh, well, hopefully that makes that experience more enjoyable. Yeah, and it's <laughs> supposed, you're supposed to be easy. You, you should be uh, able to flare them pretty easy too. So we'll report back on uh, on that, and we'll have more uh, you know car tips for anyone who's out there working on their cars in their garage uh, coming down on uh, more episodes soon. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, yeah, again, tonight, you know, we talked about some pretty interesting topics. We talked about um, working on older cars versus newer cars and what we prefer to work, what we prefer to do, what some things we might not like to do as much. So, yeah, uh, it's been a great episode. And thank you for everyone who's tuned in. Be sure to give us a follow on our social media accounts, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We have some great content coming for you as we do on the, re- on the regular. And... Yeah, be sure to subscribe on the the podcast and we'll catch you next time.